Good morning, everyone. Let's um, just bow our heads in prayer as we have our heads bowed and uh, prepare our hearts before God, the Almighty, the King of Kings, the one who's prepared this morning for us. Let's come and bow our heads before him and, and let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning and we give you, Lord God, this day, we give you this hour, Lord God, that you would speak and uh, reveal more and more of your beauty to us. Lord God, you are the fountain, Lord God, that we draw water from. We come this morning, Lord God, to drink of the well that we may find our thirst quenched by your goodness. Father, we come before you this morning because there is nothing in this world we'd rather have We lay our life down at your feet, Lord God, because only you and you alone are worthy. Teach us this morning, Lord God, speak to our hearts and open our eyes and our ears. Cast away any stumbling block. Soften the hardest of all hearts this morning. Break and build, Lord God, according to your goodness and your grace. We give you thanks and praise. Cast the devil away. Shield us with your love and open our eyes and our ears to your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, only Jesus. That's the prayer that we pray every day of our life, only Jesus. Our journey is to make Christ and him and him alone our all in all. He is everything, only Jesus when I was 30, I went to the doctors to get my blood test. And I came back with the results and I sat down to, to get the results from the doctor. And I sat down and he looked at me and he looked at the results and he goes, Whoa. I said, what's up? He goes, your cholesterol's high. I said, really? He goes, yeah. Because at this stage, based on the cholesterol level, you'd probably have your first heart attack at the age of 40. I was 30, I was 30 years old, thinking, wow, my first heart attack at the age of 40, that's something to look forward to. Turned 40. And he said to me, I go, are you, are you serious? Like, really? He's just like, he goes, yeah. He goes, I would say that at this point of your life, at the age of 30, that uh, all your small capillaries are all blocked. And at this rate, unless we do something about it, you know, by 40, I reckon you'd have your first heart attack. So all my capillaries were blocked, and by 40, I was going to have my first heart attack. And I often think about that now that I'm, um, I won't say, turning almost 50, a few more years. I think that, and I think, well, you know, I haven't had my heart attack yet. But I wonder what's happening in my heart. If my capillaries were blocked at the age of 30, what's going on? Are my veins like slowly being blocked over time? Is my, my heart kind of almost blocking? You know, like what's going on? Is there, things, is, there, is there a hardening that's happening? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But I don't care really because um, i got... God, Jesus, he's in control of everything. And I don't say that 
you know, I'm, I say that confidently, that um, I'm not fussed and I'm not scared and it doesn't bother me. But I am scared about one thing. I'm scared about people who come to church who don't realise there's a hardening of their heart that is far more significant and far more greater than a physical. And it's a hardening of a heart that is a spiritual hardness that is more serious than any man dropping dead physically. And that's what I get scared about. I get scared about that for myself. I get scared about that for my family. I get scared about that for you guys. You know, where the hardening of the heart is slowly being hardened. Like, like, you know, there's like a slow fade, a slow fade where someone moves from being a Christian who is zealous to someone who just does not know the face of God anymore. And that's scary for me. And I want to share with you this morning a message you can call, don't let your heart be hardened. Don't let your heart be hardened. And I want us to read a passage in this scripture here that's a very, it's a very simple passage found in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 to 12. If you open up to it, it doesn't take much, brothers and sisters, to see and read the word of God as we see it. As we see it. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't even need anyone to teach you. You can actually just look at the word of God and read it as it is and you can actually learn because God's word is for all those who are hungry. It's a shame that men and women who are Christians take the word of God and they twist it and they turn it around and they manipulate it when rather it's quite simple. You read it as it is and you believe it. And when you twist God's word and when you... you, appropriate it the way you want it to fit it into your life, there's a danger that can occur and one of those dangers is the hardening of the heart. It is the word of God that is like water that softens the soil and when you don't take the word of God as it is so that your heart can be softened, if you don't come this morning with the heart of desire to know more, to become more of Christ and you come defensive, you come with a, with a restraint, you come with a, your fingers in your ears, although no one sees, but, but your heart has blocked your ears because you're scared what you're going to hear, then there's a danger that your heart can be hardened. And that's sad. Because while Christ came to save, man chooses to be hardened against salvation. And we have here the writer in Hebrews saying in verse 7, chapter 3, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. 40 years I performed great wonders and miracles in the wilderness. Your fathers or other great men before you, other men of faith, They put me to the test and I proved myself for 40 years to them. 40 years I dwelt with them, took them through hardships, trials, sufferings. They put me to the test. They proved me and I proved myself to them for 40 years, but they hardened their heart. And don't do this like they did in the day of provocation, in the day of testing. And many of them perished. Don't do this. Don't harden your heart against me. 
And I find it fascinating, for 40 years I get to see the manna coming down from heaven. For 40 years I get to see the sandals on my feet don't wear out. For 40 years I get to see miracle after miracle. I see a fire of pillar before me by night. I see a cloud of pillar by day. For 40 years I get to experience the awesome power of God. It is miraculous, it is amazing, and I harden my heart against a living God. That is absolutely crazy. What it tells me is this, that the heart is exceedingly sinful, that you can have the face of God shine in the midnight of your life, in, your, in the darkest room, and it can glow before your face, and no sooner will your heart be hardened one step away. That's the hardness of the heart. And it's unfortunate that for some Christians, they only have seasons of faith. Seasons of faith. Christians who get so zealous when God hears their prayer. Christians who get so zealous when they've come back from a, from a miry pit, from a, from a, a sludge of, of, of dirt. And they come back and they cry and they weep and they love Jesus with all their heart only for a season, only for a time before they slowly find themselves slipping back to the world. You know how it is, you know, when you're in trouble, Right? Like you're really heavy and you're burdened. Someone tells you about Jesus and your heart is just... And then when Jesus comes in and he performs a miracle, a miraculous experience, he does something that is profound. And he does that in your life in such a way that causes you to bow down and worship him as king. And then for a season and for a time, you come to church, you, you read your Bible, you're excited about the things of God for a season and a time. Before you slowly... Slowly find yourself disinterested, not as interested as you were when Christ first appeared to you. For 40 years, they got to experience Jesus. You think like the university only goes for three years of training, for 40 years of training, and yet they harded their heart against him. What does that tell you about your heart? You've got to guard it. You've got, you've got to watch it. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my anger, they shall not enter my rest. Listen, verse 12, it says boldly and clearly, take care, brothers, sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. And see, this is what I don't like. I don't like when people take that scripture and they twist it and they turn it around. And they say to you, it's okay, it's okay. You're right, you're a Christian. God loves you, God's grace. That, that scripture is quite clear. If God swore in his wrath that these people will not enter into his rest, and then he says, listen, take care. You've got to take care not to become like them. Why? Why would I need to take care not to become like them if it's all secured and it's all nice for me? It doesn't make sense. I'll just say back to God, God, I'm all right. You've delivered me. You've saved me. Why do I need to take care now? The scriptures are very simple. You need to take care because of this. Your heart is evil. Your heart is unbelieving. And your heart leads you to fall away from the living God. What does that even mean? Can I fall away from the living God? Let's not get theological. The Bible says you'll fall away from the living God if you don't take care. 
Simple, right? You've got to take care regarding the matters of the heart. You've got to make sure that your heart doesn't go astray. Now you might say to yourself, but I'm strong, you see. And God has done such an amazing thing in my life that I'm good and I'm secured and I'm, and I'm assured of my salvation. That's awesome. Then take care to make that manifestation of that faith a reality every single hour, every single day of your life. Because if you don't take care, I'm telling you now, the warning is very bold and strong. He swore they will not enter into my rest. When God makes a promise and he swears by it, you know he keeps it. And that's why people don't understand God. When you get to heaven, surely God is good, right? Really, like when we get to heaven, he's going to cast us into hell. Because God is righteous, he has to cast people into hell. Because he is just, he has to. Because he swears by his word. It's not like he's going to change his mind in heaven. It's not like all of a sudden we're going to get to heaven and say, oh, God says, oh, you know what? I changed my mind. Love. He can't help but be true to who he is and true to his word. And he says... I swear they're not going to enter into rest. And sure enough, did they enter into rest? No, they didn't enter into rest. The whole nation, other than the young ones, were not permitted into rest. He kept it. Now, I want to talk to you about the conditions of the heart, if you like, the symptoms. Like the symptoms of how do I know my heart is hard? How do I know? How can I diagnose this disease in me that's happening so I know... I don't kind of fall away from the living God. Three or four things I want to share. The first thing that happens with someone who has a hard heart, the first thing, is they lose their appetite. You understand? They lose their appetite. So I want you to, to look at this, 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 this list of a, of a disease that's kind of inhabiting the, the body. It's, it's going straight to the heart. And, and, and assess it like, a, like a, 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 you know, a, a doctor's diagnosis. And ask yourself, am I hungry for God's word? Am I excited? Am I thrilled by God's word? Do I get, when I wake up in the morning to come to church on a Sunday, am I like full of hunger that I'm going to eat. Like most of us make a lot of effort to go to the best restaurant. We make an effort to go, you know, the best meal. The be- we spend probably, well, I don't know when you go to a restaurant, you spend about 15, 20 minutes trying to make sure that the meal you get is going to be the best meal. We make every effort. Which restaurant tonight? Because you're hungry. You're zealous to go out. And sometimes Christians start off so zealous, so hungry, so their appetite is so wet that you could feed them anything and, and, and it's like the first time they heard it. It's like the first time, you know, Christians, you can read the passage again and again and again and you can be a Christian for 20 years and when you read that passage one more time, it is as though it's the first time you read it because you're so hungry for God's word. Is that not right? So even a message that you hear when God says to you, I came to forgive, to change your life, it becomes the norm. You hear that all the time and that's what Jesus does. But not to the hungry they love the transformation, the, the, the transforming power of God's word in their life. They love it. And why do you lose your appetite? I'll tell you why you lose your appetite. You lose your appetite because you slowly start eating the things that are contrary to God's word. You slowly slip away and you go back to the former ways, the former things, and you eat and, you, and, and, and the way you eat 
goes back to how you used to be before you were Christian. But it's okay. It's all good. And this is the second thing with a hardened heart. What happens is you start having these little compromises. These little compromises as when, like, they're little because they're not drastic and it's not in your face because if it's in your face, it's quite embarrassing. You know, so these little compromises is just between you and God. And you don't want to show any of these little compromises because in case someone finds out, it's embarrassing because I'm like a hypocrite. But God knows my heart. He knows why I do what I do. These little compromises, you can, you can hide it from others. But listen, the Bible says God is not mocked. You can't deceive God. And it's unfortunate because it's these little compromises that unknowing to you are the very things that are like the cholesterol moving through your veins that hardens your heart. On the outward, you look fine to everybody. But on the inward, you're hardening your heart. These little compromises, little things like, it's okay. Um, it's okay to have a bit of a drink. Who told, you, who told you it's not okay to have a bit of a drink? Is your conscience messing with your head? Is it because you used to drink a lot before you became a Christian and then you stopped? You said, I don't want to drink anymore because it destroyed my life. And now that I'm a Christian, I'm totally sold out to Jesus Christ. And then over a season, over a time, you say, it's okay to have a bit of a drink. It's okay to go back to the clubs. It's okay to go back to the pubs. Nothing wrong with that, is there? So it's a little compromises. Of course there's something wrong with that. Because what you're doing is you're deceiving yourself. It's a, it's a, you don't realise it, but th- those that are spiritual and those who understand the power and, of God and how the devil works can see clearly where you are at in your faith. It's like a pimple right in the middle of your nose. It's ugly and it's pussy. And you've put a bit of foundation on it as though no one's going to notice it. But it's there, it's right in the middle of your face and I can see it. And you're trying to be the Christian that you want to be. It's okay. I'll tell you the truth. Those who are spiritual discern spiritually. That's why God raised godly men, elders, preachers, teachers, to protect people from that pimple on your face. What happens at the point of compromise? It moves into a place that is pretty sad. And it becomes at a place that no longer looks any different than the world. This place is a place where the person now becomes justified in their own eyes. They've wrestled it out, these little compromises, and have developed a a theological stand on this little compromise, and it becomes their their defense or their shield or their their firing ammunition when someone says to you, what are you doing that for? And that's sad because they become self-righteous. There's a conscience that tells them that they mustn't do this. You've got to stop doing that. And they can't deal with this conscience. So they develop other righteousness, other acts of goodness in order to be at peace with their head. When all all along, all they've got to do is cut that thing off. They keep that thing and still act the Christian. But in their heart of hearts, what happens is because it gets so hard, the Spirit of God no longer gets on the out trying to knock in, but you're saying no. And you become this person who thinks they know what they're doing is right, but the way leads to death. This is the hardened heart. It leads to death. 
And at that point is a dangerous point because no matter what I say to you, what you once saw was a man who's got wisdom, a man who understands, a man who you look to becomes, "Mm, I, I know more now. And I'm not saying I know more than you. Honestly, I don't, don't know anything. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about anyone that you once saw as esteemed in the word of God and understands becomes the person who's like a fool. They don't understand. They don't know. That you know more all of a sudden for some reason. For some reason, you, who God called to submit to the elders, become someone who knows more than the elders. And I'm not talking to you about me. I'm not talking to you about this church. I'm talking to you about the, the, the characteristics of such a person. It could be anywhere. You know more. You know more. You become unteachable. You become hard of hearing. You become someone who says, I know it all. I've, already, I've heard this before. And unfortunately, you don't realize that your heart is getting hard. And then finally, and this is the, the funeral blindness you get cloaked by blindness and that's it and then sadly enough I tell you the truth brothers and sisters just like the Israelites traveled for 40 years blinded to the power and miracles of God they carried their blindness through a wilderness all that time like Christians carry their blindness in a congregation every Sunday morning They hear the word of God, but they remain blind. They love the experience, but deny the power. They love the songs, but not the freedom. It's just blindness. And the writer of Hebrews warns the church, listen, take care. Take care. I know there's some of you in this room who have hard hearts. I have to know. It's my job. (laughs) I have to know. There's some of you in this room who've got hard hearts. Some of you don't even know I'm talking about you. Because you think that you've done such a good job hiding it. But I have to know. If my heart was hard, I'd be blind. But I'm telling you the truth. My heart is soft towards you. If I was to share with you, don't do this, don't do that. It's not because you owe me something and you're going to make my life a lot easier. It's because I care. I care. But what happens to blind people or hardened people is when you say to them, don't do this, they'll say, why not? I don't know why not, but I know that if you do this, you're gone. And I know you're at this place when you're doing this, you're probably sealed. You've sealed it. You know, you, for someone to be doing this is testifying unbelief. I'm concerned about the state of your heart. And Paul says, take care. You know how many times when, when, when Moses approached Pharaoh, because when I think of a hard heart, I think of Pharaoh, because the Bible consistently says his heart was hardened. His heart was hardened. But do you know how many times in the passages, and I was looking at this, and I was thinking, wow, this is fascinating, How many times? And he hardened Pharaoh's heart that he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. He hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. He didn't listen to what God said. 
Again, we read, And the magician of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. And we read again, But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, the hardened, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. We read again, And the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. What was his problem? He wasn't listening to what God had said. Now I'm pretty sure Pharaoh, in his own eyes, in his own righteousness, he was pretty solid on the fact, no, this is wrong, Moses. The Israelites were born to be the slaves of Egypt. You have no understanding of history. You don't know the superiority of the Egyptians. You've got no knowledge of what it is to rule a kingdom. You are wrong, Moses. But the reality wasn't with who's right, who's wrong. The reality was with the fact that he was not listening to what God had said. So you can win a theological argument, but you can fail in the obedience of God. And so my cry out to you this morning is this. Listen to what God has said. Don't listen to me. Listen to what God has said. You know what God is speaking to you about. And you've got to listen to God. Because he swears you will not enter into rest. Not with a hard heart. Sometimes we read stories about Jesus. And there's like a, it's just a, one event, one event. It's in the Bible. It's just one event that happened. And we often think to ourselves, oh, it's as though it only happened once. Because we only read it once in the Bible. I don't think it was like that. I think the Bible summarizes that the spirit and the heart of Jesus in everything that he did. For example, when he took a child and he put a, the child on his lap and then told everyone, listen, unless you become like a child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. We think, oh, that happened like one, one event. I, I think this is a message that summarized the spirit of Christ and the teaching of what it is to be like a child. I imagine Jesus, when he was walking through the streets, a child running up to him, grabbing his leg, he would have put his arm around the child and gone, Man, unless we become like that. So it wasn't just that event he was sitting down with his disciples. When he was in the marketplace and all the kids came running to him, they started hugging him, Jesus would have gone, man, you've got to understand, you know this? Unless you become like that, there is no way you're going to enter into the kingdom. What is, he, what is he teaching? What is he saying? What is he preaching? You can't come into the kingdom of God with a hardened heart. You need a heart like a child. A heart that is soft. A heart that is vulnerable. A heart that is gentle. A heart that just believes. And there they are, little children, saying, unless you become childlike, not hardened, like you've been an old, crusty Christian for so long and you know everything, all the doctrines and all the debates. and Claim to know nothing but this. Christ and Him crucified. What that means is this. I know no other thing than the life of Jesus and Him on the cross. And I don't know it in my head. I know it in my life. That means that I don't live for myself. I live for Him. The cross that I carry is the cross of Christ. I don't know, I don't, I'm not a theologian, I don't know much about doctrines, but I know what the experience is to carry a cross to the cross. I know what that experience is. And Paul says, I claim to know nothing other than that. 
What does that look like? Well, that looks like when I want to and I long to and my body wants to go this way, but God calls me that way. I carry the cross and I drag it all the way to where I don't want to go. I know this. That's the cross. There's a song when I was growing up by Petra. You know Petra? An old band. They sang this song, Don't Let Your Heart Be Hardened. Don't let your love grow cold. May it always stay so childlike. May it never grow too old. Don't let your heart be hardened. May you always know the cure. Keep it broken before Jesus. Keep it thankful, meek and pure. May it always feel compassion. May it be as one with God's. May it never be contrary, may it never be at odds. May it always be forgiving, may it never know conceit. May it always be encouraged, may it never know defeat. Sounds like a a lot of hard work. Well, for the Christian who loves him, that's quite light. For the one who's, who's, who's hungry and wants him, and wants, they're, they're ready to go through any forest, any fire, any mountain, just to be with him. If someone says, don't go, don't do it, don't do that, they can't help, they can't, I'm just drawn to him. And any other step than this is a step toward a hardened heart. Christians, listen. Christianity isn't religion. Christianity isn't about coming to church on a Sunday and sitting down and listening to songs and and, and reading the Bible. Christianity is life. And the life you chose to live is a life that calls you to love Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, at all cost. Your desires are no longer for you. Your body wants to go this way, But you say, no, I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. And this life I now live, I live by the faith of Jesus Christ who loved me and he died for me. Two things that Jesus did was an example for me. He loved me while I was a sinner. He forgave me on the cross. I had no idea what I was doing, but he loved me. And not only did he love me, he demonstrated that love by dying for me. This is the life I now live. I live. I love others no matter what they do to me. And I die for my brothers and sisters. It's a sacrifice. I live, uh, greater love has no man than to lay his life down for his friends. And as brothers and sisters, we walk towards being more and more like Jesus every day. Lest the deception in our hearts steals us away from the living God. I want to finish off with a few verses, do you mind? I'll just read some verses for you, okay? I'll try not to... um, speak anymore. I'll let the scriptures speak for themselves. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18 to 20. Now I'm going to talk a bit more. Leave it with me. All right. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18. Here he talks about the hardened heart. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. 
the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. The description that he gives of those who have a hardened heart is the description callous. Callous. You know what callous means? The Old Testament describes the, like the fat, the fattened heart, the heart that's gone fat. But not this kind of a this soft, uh, soft kind of fat. It's actually like the, the fat of, of the, cheap, the cheap bacon you buy. You can get really nice bacon and you get the bacon with just a thick, hard fat around it. You know, it's just tough fat. The fat that you chew and you, you can't... That's, that's the, the, the description given to the callous heart. It's, I imagine a camel's knee. You know the camel's knee? A lot of cushion on the knee. It's like just chunk of fat. That happens to the hardened heart. In fact, one of the, the prophets in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 7, verse 12, he says this, They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts has sent by His Spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. They have made their hearts diamond hard, uh, another version reads this word, diamond heart, as a flint. They have set their hearts like flint against God. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 31. Cast away from you all your transgressions. Now listen carefully, because there's one thing I didn't cover, and you need to understand this. What causes a hardened heart? Sin. Sin. Unless you get yourself rid of it, it is destined to harden your heart and turn you away from the living God. Sin. And what I'm talking about is the sin that keeps continuing to linger in your life. Sin. Bondage. Addiction. Whatever it is. Sin. I don't even need to name it. You know what it is because God, if you claim to be a Christian, would have already spoken to you about that sin. And the reason why he speaks to you about that sin is to set you free. And that sin that so easily besets you, that throws you off, you've got to get rid of. You've got to. And if you don't, you are destined to turn away from the living God. And I've seen this time and time again for many, many years. People, for all kinds of reasons, depart from the Word of God or the truths of God, for all their reasons or whatever, they can't see that the core reason is not because something happened in their life that's drastic or something happened that upset them or someone said something. And No, they departed from the living God because sin was not dealt with. And that's the warning I guarantee you, you deal with your own sin. You'll find contentment in everything that you right now feel so dissatisfied with. If you deal with your sin right now, you think this is the best church in the world. 
If you deal with your sin, your relationships with your husband and your wife and your children will be not what, they, what you thought they were. Because your, 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 your sin blinded you, hardened your heart. So this is what Ezekiel says, and I'll finish here. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Why? Why would you want to die? Why would you want to remain in your unbelief? The heart of a... That's, a, that's hard. And I'll finish off with the pun. That you, you await your heart attack. Let's bow our heads in prayer. As you have your heads bowed... Pretty sure you're going through a lot of thoughts in your head. I mean, I don't know what the devil would be saying at this point. I don't know how the Holy Spirit would be talking to you right now and what the Spirit's saying to you and to your life. But whether you like this message or not, it doesn't really matter. What matters is the voice of God speaking to your life and you responding. You responding. Now, I know it's easy for the devil to distract you, but really all you've got to do is ask yourself this. Is there sin in my life? Whether you hate this message, whether you hate me, whether you agree or disagree, just ask yourself this. Is there sin in my life that the Lord is calling me to put aside? And if you can say, yes, there is, then praise be to the Lord because His Holy Spirit speaks. And believe by faith that He's granted you the power and the strength to slide that away, cut it off. And that's one step to a softer heart. That's one step for your heart to be nourished once again. In fact, you can walk out of this room right now with a heart that is new, a heart that is soft, a heart that is ready to have the Word of God planted once again in the fertile soil of your faith. And you can walk out free. Respond to Jesus. Respond to the Holy Spirit. Whatever God is speaking to you about. I'll give you a moment and I'll pray. And I'll close in prayer. I encourage you to make decisions. In your faith before the Lord. Whatever the Spirit of God has spoken to you about. The things that you do. The things that you're doing. I encourage you to to put that before the Lord and and commit that to the Lord and say, Lord, from now on, no. I encourage you to make that commitment and leave it there and believe. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise that your word is alive. And I know, Lord God, that this morning has not been in vain because I know, Lord God, that there are those in this room that you want to speak to, Lord. And I know and I believe by faith that you've spoken to them. I only pray, Lord God, that they respond to you, Lord Jesus. 
that they would listen to your voice, that they would come humbly before you, Lord God, leaving their life behind and seeking your, you and you alone. Thank you, Father, for your protection, for your mercy, your goodness upon us, how much you love us in order that you warn us and challenge us, lest sin slays us, Lord. I pray that you bring this message into remembrance throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the rest of our life, Lord God, in order for us to walk after you in righteousness, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.